This is a rumination, law and gospel, on this Thursday, June the 11th, in the year of our Lord, 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me, my co-host, Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing very well, and uh, I guess that hurricane that was coming up our way never hit St. Louis. Did it have an impact in Springfield, Illinois? Well, we got, I don't know, we got cold. It got down to 58 last night. 58 is cold? (laughs) Well, it is when you're used to temperatures at 70. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we had uh, up to 80s here in St. Louis for a bit. But without further ado, let's take a look at our topic for today that you brought to my attention. And that is this whole understanding of how do you put it walking with God? Yes, uh, uh you know there was a portal of prayers earlier in the week that talked about walking together. Portals of prayer. Portal of prayers that the Senate puts out a little devotional booklet. Okay. And they they had talked about walking together and then then you had uh on Tuesday with Mark Smith at discuss a little bit of the the craziness that's going on in our world today you know and it got me to looking at the the protests that uh we see going on out there the rioting and the lawlessness as they're walking to it there's on the one hand a demand for justice and on another hand they demand injustice and defund the police and become a an anarchy so to speak and and I thought, uh, from a positive point of view, it'd be good for us to also discuss what it means to to walk with God. Yes, uh, among the protesters, would you make a distinction between those who may be walking with God and those who are not? Well, the ones walking with God obviously are, are for the rule of law, and would like to see seek changes in. in some of the ways that we do some of our policing or some of our politicking out there, some of the laws that we have versus the the ones that uh, are not walking with God. They smash stores, smash windows, steal uh, goods out of of, uh, stores and situations like that. Yes, um the more you spoke to me earlier about this, the more I got thinking about it. And, you know, God never regards a work that we do by the work itself. He always is regarding it by our motivation. So I was thinking that, yes, there may be those who are properly protesting things that are happening that need to be changed, but some of them may have the motivation of getting their face on TV or making a name for themselves. They, even though what they're doing may be appropriate, I would suggest that they still are not walking with God because of their selfish motivation. I think that's a, a, an excellent way of, of putting it, that, that we separate out some of these things that are going on in our society. And from a, 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 
obviously a positive point of view, what does it mean to walk with God? And one of the very early instances of that that we run across in the scriptures is uh, Enoch. It it talks about that uh, Enoch walked with God. Not just once does it mention it, but within two verses it talked about he walked with God and he was not, for God took him. So, you know, what does it mean during the time of Enoch in the first world before the flood to walk with God? I think when we look closely at the scriptures, Enoch walked with God, first of all, in following his will. But the real reason he was walking with God and following his will, would it not be because of the faith he had in the true God? I think that's an important distinction to make to begin with, that he had a faith in God. In fact, Luther would would go on to say that he believed in the promise of the seed of the woman. And what do we mean by the promise of the seed of the woman? That's referring to Eve. Eve. And Mary. And, uh, and Mary. Well, Mary wasn't around at that time. But there was a promise that through the woman would come the proper seed. Seed, right, which we know today, looking back, it is Christ that came, Jesus Christ who came into the world uh, as our Savior. The other one that got my attention you spoke of was Noah. Noah is kind of in a place where it's kind of a desert, and God tells him to begin building a boat in order that it will be able to be freed from the flood coming. Uh, do you remember how many years it took Noah to work on that? Well, we we believe it was uh, 120 because it, it talks about him being age 480 when God comes and talks to him about this uh, building a boat. And at the same time, vain we're told uh, in the next chapter that uh, when Noah was 600 the floodwaters came now what were the reaction of his neighbors while he's building this boat in a dry area well they, of course they they ridiculed him they scoffed at him as as to why he was doing it uh, in second peter he calls him a preacher of righteousness or a herald in the English version it calls him a herald of righteousness that he would talk about uh, the coming effect and if you can imagine as we're told in the scriptures it was just him and his family that got on the boat so we're down to roughly eight people and everybody else is thinking he's crazy for building a boat and talking about God bringing a, a disastrous flood. And it's not that God did not warn the people. He used Noah to bring the law to the people, and they just didn't listen to that and, of course, refused to believe in the true God Noah believed in and, of course, the flood did do what it meant to do, and that was to destroy the world and begin again with these eight people. By the way, there's something in baptism that reminds us of eight. 
<laughs> well, of course, that's First Peter chapter three, verse verses twenty and twenty-one, which talks about that uh, Noah and his family came through the waters, and in similarity, it is through baptism that we are saved. And the thing about eight, I'm thinking about is, do you remember the shape of a lot of baptismal fonts? No, I never thought about it. Yeah, eight they're in eight. eight. They really? have eight sides. Huh. Yes. Now, I've been to churches where it's just round, but right. uh, there are a number of churches where there's eight sides to the baptismal font, and that is referring back to the eight that were saved in Noah's family. Mm-hmm. And, and you couple with that, too, with... Uh... Enoch. I mean, Enoch is passed away by the time Noah comes onto the scene. Right. But, but what's interesting about Enoch, it, it talks about 300 years he walked with God. I mean, if you can imagine that, uh, uh, having that kind of kind of record to go with you. So, the, you know, it's faded from the memories after Enoch's gone, but here you have two distinct individuals that the Bible talks about that have walked with God in the midst of an, uh, a world that was going crazy. Now, we have a lot of respect for Martin Luther, but as C.F.W. Walther points out in his Law and Gospel Distinctions, while Luther was really very intelligent and knew theology quite a bit, his first part of the ministry was not really a walk with God because he never was sure that he was saved. Right. There was uh, that monastic sort of life that he that he got involved with first when he became a, a, a theologian. And, and there he, he thought uh, some kind of work righteousness until he found out that uh, He's righteous without his works that is that is done through faith in Christ. Yeah, I was kind of a, unaware of how the monastic life began, but it was uh, their leaders who took a look at Mark chapter 10. Remember the rich man comes to Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus tells him, well, give up your riches work for the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. They took that as though that was the way Jesus was saying you were to be saved, and that began the monastic orders. Did you know that? Because I did not. No. No, I, that's uh, that's interesting. And in connection with uh, this, uh, what Luther had to say about Enoch and Noah, he, he would say, that it was quite the difference that walking with God was not to flee into a desert or a monastic and, or hide away in a new nook, but to go out in one's calling and offer resistance to the iniquity and malice of Satan and the world. Moreover, being a confessor of the seed of the woman and uh, condemn the, the religion and endeavors of the world, that it is through Christ we, we preach another life. In Luther's day, there was a big distinction between religious people, like in a monastery, a nunnery, or a priest, and the common layperson. But what Luther found in the Bible 
on the basis of vocation, there really isn't a difference between religious people being more favored by God than regular lay people. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, it's, it, he would say when you when you're talking about vocation, is where I'm at, I, I can uh, witness, and that's that's what uh, he was saying yes. about uh, Enoch. That uh, moreover, where he was at, he was a confessor of the faith. Now, how many vocations do you have? Well, it depends on how you look at it, you know. Well, that's what I'm asking, how you look at it. (laughs) Well, there's husband, there's father, there's grandfather, there's being a pastor, you know, uh, vocation, a citizen, my neighbor. Now, that means that each vocation has a different way of walking with God. Uh, For example, uh, I'd be in church, and some of the children would be playing tag, running around the pews and up at the altar. I would deal with those children who were mine differently than those children who were not mine. I would go instead to their parents. Uh, That would be a good example where vocation of a father has precedent over a vocation of, say, being a pastor. We would deal differently uh, depending on what it means to walk with God. But in each vocation, there is a way of walking with God. Can, Can you give me an example of the vocation of being a grandparent how that would be a proper walking with God? <laughs> yeah. Just recently, I know of a grandparent that uh, had uh, was taking care of the grandkids, and and the the grand grandson was riding his bike to the bushes in the uh, in the park there, and Grandma said, "No, you can't be doing that," and he said, "But." But grandma, I want to be a stunt stunt bike rider someday. And how else do I practice? And she would have to sit down with him and explain to him that if you do it again, you're in trouble. You know what it meant to be in trouble, and and uh, for, and then work out that whole area of forgiveness through it. Were you pretty proud of your wife when she did that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh that's right. Just, we were not going to mention who did that. Right, we weren't going to mention that. But, but she said it, it just broke his little heart that, uh, you know, he he couldn't understand. And she says, well, you're going to kill the bush. And she says, no worry, it'll go to heaven. Oh, boy. <laughs> she, had to, she had to sit down and explain that to him. <laughs> oh, yes. See, walking with God as a grandparent, means, as you just indicated, to protect your grandchildren from danger. And I'm sure you, too, are also providing your grandchildren uh, with uh, any biblical materials and talking to them about Jesus Christ and praying for them. You know, one of the biblical materials that we, we gave to them, 
you remember the book that CPH put out many years ago called Little Visits with God? Oh, yes. And they had their little devotionals. Those were, were read to to me and my brothers and sisters when we were young. We gave the books over to, to uh, my son and daughter-in-law. Now she's reading them to to the grandsons. Yes. When I was growing up, there was a book, and it was all about neighborhood kids. had nothing to do with religion or anything. And, you know, you got the impression that these were real children. And uh, when we got our children, I decided rather than reading them a fiction book, we began to read to them stories from the Bible. And... Um, that book that you used had very many religious themes in it, did it not? Oh, yes. Yeah, and talking about books of the Bible, uh, CPH puts out a, a little uh, booklet that's called 120 Bible Stories or 110 Bible Stories that you, you can order through them. And uh, when I was serving one of the vacancies, uh, in order to bring up, some adults that, that had not been raised in the Sunday school and that, I'd get the book and, and, and have them read it to their children about various stories in the Bible. You know, that's really a good insight because we've got a lot of adults. If you mentioned, in fact, this actually happened to me. It was an adult instruction, and one of the individuals there was a college graduate. And I started talking about David and Bathsheba. He did not know who I was talking about. Is I looked it, at him it, and I said, didn't you even see the movie? <laughs> <laughs> but that mature. got me. There was another book where Concordia Publishing House at CPH, our publishing house in the Missouri Synod, they put out a book with a lot of the Bible stories, Old Testament all the way through the New. And I would hand that one out to adult instruction people just so they would get to know the history of the Bible. And they found that to be very interesting. Uh, they were just learning the history, not so much the theology. That was what confirmation was about. But at least when I talked about David and Bathsheba, they would then know who I was talking about. Right. Well, and another thing that you you we we do with law gospel on Tuesdays, you go through the hymn of the week, and uh, the Lutheran service book, our hymnal, is an excellent place uh, for them to 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 learn about God and and theology and what what we we do there. Yes. Um, either. I don't know who I had this conversation with recently, but they were talking about that uh, they were in church, they had become Lutheran, and they had sung a baptismal hymn during a baptism, and the person began crying as she read the words. They were so helpful to her and gave her assurance of her salvation. Oh, you know what hymn works today as we as we talk about walking with God? Um, I guess the mighty fortress, but which one are you thinking of? <laughs> I'm thinking of Ch Chief of Sinners, so I be. Oh, that's good. That's right. Verse, verse 3, 
Only Jesus can impart balm to heal the wounded heart, peace that flows from sin forgiven, joy that lifts the soul to heaven, faith and hope to walk with God in the way that Enoch, Enoch trod. trod. Boy, yeah. that's very good. In fact, this uh, Sunday, uh, their reading is from Romans that really explains how we were saved. Uh, the sermon I have going out this Sunday, um, if we're not saved, if we don't get God on our side by our good works, do we get God on our side by our faith? And the answer to that, of course, is no. God is on our side because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Right, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that uh, Luther, would, in, in a manner of speaking, would say that we live in the third world. The first world, Enoch went to heaven. The second world, which which technically we live in today, was Elijah went to heaven, did not see death. And he says, in the New Testament times, we, we have a third year, third world, and we have an even better example, and that is... Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Yes. And he went to heaven. Right. Yeah, there's he, so much in the Bible. Um, are you doing anything in uh, preaching or teaching these days? Well, uh, on extreme emergency levels, I've kind of had to cut back due, due to some health considerations. Yes. But... Uh, uh, I get asked to be part of call committees and things like that, which I can still do. Plus, I spend time with you on the radio. You you, you think that counts for something? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's something that uh, makes me sit down and, and do a lot of researching and taking a look at. And interestingly enough, I get people that uh, – uh, that either email me or know me personally, call me on the telephone, and say that it's 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 helped make a difference for them in listening to to law and gospel. Just recently, you received an email, but it wasn't <laughs> from a Lutheran who was listening. Can you explain that? It wasn't, it wasn't a Lutheran or <laughs> an email. It was a book uh, by oh, a book. That's uh, right. Yeah, from the Seventh Day Adventist, where they uh, that week that I spent time in Revelation talking about uh, the four horsemen and things like that, the end of the world. Well, they sent me a book within days after the radio broadcast about uh, their view of the end of the world, and I go very, very legalistic. You know, I just oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it. Yes, it was an attempt to correct what you had said, but it failed, did it not? Oh, uh, I'm looking at ways to to uh, respond to them in a, in a kind right. manner, uh, but uh, no, it, it went nowhere. It left Jesus out of the picture. I'm really enjoying doing the Wednesday Law and Gospel because I'm learning a lot from an in-depth study of C.F.W. Walther's lectures there. And if there's anything he says 
you can have a pastor who knows theology quite a bit, but he is still unable to apply the two doctrines of Scripture properly, law and gospel. And you would say this Seventh-day Adventist really touches on the law to an extent that is more than he should. Oh, every page, just more and more law and uh, uh, maybe a sentence of gospel. And the gospel actually becomes a law by their, their explanations. Well, I want to thank you once more, Wes. You really came up with a good subject. I hadn't really thought about walking with God. And I hope that the listening audience got the impression to walk with God isn't just doing good works, but through faith, believing the promises of Jesus Christ. So um, be looking for something for next week. Oh, yeah, I'm already starting to look. Excellent. And tomorrow is kind of an open mic. If you want to have me respond, send me an email. I'm Tom Baker, Wes Reimnitz. God bless. ...to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.